what can I do to get myself one step closer to this thing that I want? Instead of just sitting around waiting for an opportunity to come to me, what can I do to take a step towards creating that opportunity for myself? Because that movement of taking action, whether it's physical action of going running or creating something yourself that's going to get you another step closer, I feel like that really helps both with my confidence and getting out of that overthinking spiral. Welcome to the Genius Women Podcast. I'm your host, Yulia Denisyuk, an award-winning travel photographer and writer with work in some incredible publications like National Geographic, Afar Magazine, and more. And this year, you'll see my name in places like Condé Nast Traveler. I'm on a mission to help other women who want to grow their travel storytelling careers go after their dreams while feeling supported, worthy, and bold. If you're ready to ditch your fear and doubt to the side, step into your brilliance and take action on your dreams, you're in the right place. Let's go. Today, I'm speaking with a travel and wedding photographer, an entrepreneur, a coach for creative business owners, and simply an awesome human, Kristen Sweeting. Kristen had a passion for creativity from an early age, and she turned that passion into a thriving business through traveling and documenting weddings all over the world, from France to China, Turkey, and many more places. More recently, Kristen founded Danger School, a membership and mastermind program for creative business owners. We linked it up in the show notes, so definitely check it out. Kristen built two multiple six-figure businesses while single-parenting her four-year-old son, and in this conversation, we get into all the juicy bits of her path, how Kristen dealt with self-doubt, why community is super important in a creative career, and how one opportunity can lead to many others, and so it's important for us to take action and go for it. You already know that taking action is my favorite concept. I'm really excited about this interview, and I hope you enjoy it too. Before we get to today's episode, do you have a question you'd like me to answer about travel journalism, creativity, working with our fears, or any other topic that's on your mind as you're listening to our show? All throughout this season, you can ask me a question, and I'll answer it in a dedicated episode at the end of the season. Just visit GeniusWomen.com slash question to submit yours. And remember that women is spelled as W-O-M-X-N. That's GeniusWomen.com slash question. I look forward to hearing from you. Okay, let's dive in. Very, very excited to welcome Kristen to our podcast today. Kristen is such an amazing creative person and an amazing photographer and an entrepreneur. And a lot of the things that she is doing right now really resonate with me. So I'm really, really excited to have Kristen on our show. Welcome, Kristen. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So let's get into it, shall we? I have so many questions for yeah, you. Yeah, I'm so excited for this conversation today just to see where it goes. And yeah, just love meeting other creative people and talking about our crazy lives. I want to start where I usually start these conversations, which is tell me, what was Kristen dreaming about as a kid? 
Oh my gosh. So I loved anything that was creative. I loved, I think I I switched mediums or I, I explored all of them as a kid. So like painting or jewelry making or music, like anything that was somewhat creative. I was the kid that always wanted the like boxes of beads for Christmas and I would make these really ornate little jewelry things. But yeah, I think as a kid, I was dreaming about creating things and having fun and making music. And I actually ended up going to college for music, even though I think when I was younger, I was really more into the visual art kind of stuff. I can't remember a time where creativity wasn't a big part of my life. What were you playing? Was it like an instrument that you were playing? I So I did piano um, my whole life, but when I went to college, I got a vocal music education degree. So I like sang in choirs and loved singing. That's one of the things I really miss in adulthood is getting to sing in choirs or be part of groups that are musical. But yeah, I was the nerdy choir kid and I loved it so much. Oh my God. Oh my God. Me too. Me too. I, I, I went to choir in school as well and I really miss that as well. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. That was my thought. Everyone's like, what do you want to do with your life? And I think I had just enough of the kind of practical side where I was like, well, I love music, but I feel silly. It's sad. I was already limiting my dreams at that point. I was like, I feel silly wanting to be a musician though. You know, like how many people actually make it as like a performing musician? And so I kind of like was like, well, I like teaching. And I, so I guess I'll do music education, which is what I studied in school. And I moved to Nashville to be a musician and study music education. Um, and it's funny because really quickly into college, I was like, this is not what I want to do. I love music and I love people, but teaching in schools, I don't know. Did you ever have that moment where you're like, oh, this is not it? <laughs> Now, I was going to say, this is such a huge topic because I'm very passionate about this conversation of how our educational system is set up all wrong. Because like at 18, we have to choose the major of what we're going to do for the rest of our life. And we're like, I have no idea who am I at 18? How am I supposed to choose that? Yeah, exactly. You're like, I'm just a little baby. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, okay. So we're going to get to that point a little bit, but I just want to back up a little and ask ask you a little more about like what was your childhood like where, where did you grow up you said you moved to Tennessee so you grew up somewhere else yeah I I grew up outside of Richmond Virginia so on the east coast of the U.S. and most of my childhood memories what I would call most of my childhood was growing up on this farm which wasn't a working farm it was just mainly a big piece of property that had ponds and woods and barns and animals and you know so we were always kind of outside exploring, picking blackberries. I don't think I really appreciated it until I was an adult, just how cool it was to live kind of out in the country where you could explore all the time. Probably a big piece of your creativity was also inspired by being around nature and being physical and doing things with things uh, as well. Yeah, I think so. And like getting a little bored sometimes, you know, like not being busy all the time, having time to just appreciate gardening or crafting or something like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely got a lot of inspiration from being outdoors. 
And I love that you said that getting bored from time to time, because if you read any kind of like brain science or, or research or studies, it's like that ability to be bored is what actually gives us the space to be creative. That's how our brain then starts to like make all these connections. It's a very important ability that in our modern life, it's so difficult to maintain because we're so used to always being distracted by something. We're afraid of being bored nowadays, which is crazy. Totally. Yeah, we're afraid of being bored or lonely. And I think boredom and loneliness probably both lit some kind of creativity desire to explore. Because like, what else are you going to do? So you said that you were interested in music and you were always, as long as you could remember yourself, you were creative. And then you had this idea of going to college and study music. Were there any um, women around you growing up that inspired you or impacted you in a particular way that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, so there... There was a big section kind of my teenage years or early teenage years where my family got pretty heavily into this strict religious community. And the whole thought process at the time in that community was women don't pursue careers. They raise children. Your whole purpose is just to get married and have kids and not really do anything else besides that. I love being a mom. I love that part of my life. But there was a time where I thought it wasn't worth me pursuing anything outside of that. And I remember a, a woman being like, but you are way too creative to not keep pursuing that. Like I had people along the way, even though that narrative was so strong, I had people speaking into it and being like, no, you should pursue your creativity. That's important. Having something of your own that you love, that's important. And now I can't even imagine not pursuing a career because it's brought me so much joy and so many options and so many, I don't know, opportunities to meet people I never would have without that. I think definitely people that spoke into that at the time and challenged that thinking, that was super helpful for me. And people who were like, no, you should try things. You should get out there and pursue your dreams. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. It's so, so amazing that this is how your story unfolded too, because I think it's so important, especially for us as kids, that we meet people along the way that give us those pointers or encourage us in those ways, especially when the larger community we're part of is perhaps causing us to look the other way or something like that. You know, it's so important for kids, especially. We had another woman on the podcast last season. It's so interesting because she, like, a very different different background, very different environment, but very similar story where she grew up in a very conservative Hindu environment where growing up, she only heard that her purpose is to get married and have a family and have kids and how she had to break through that messaging as well. And yeah, it's the people that she met along the way that also like encouraged her to look outside of that and, and how important that is. Um, that, so that's awesome that you also had those reminders. Totally. Yeah. I think who we have around us is so important. And I know you know this because you do coaching too, that community element of people inspiring each other and lifting each other up. It's so, so powerful because otherwise you don't know any different than what is in your community right around you, right? See other options or see other ways of thinking or doing things. 
we're talking about it more and more in all kinds of spaces because uh, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, but I've been thinking about this for the past five years, maybe, that by and large, the lifestyle in the United States is so capitalistic, is so individual-focused. It's not about the community by and large, right? And it's so hard to live that way. I've, I've always found it like... I mean, of course, there are positives in that too, you know, let's say American go-getter mentality and that you can pursue your dreams. But at the same time, as I've been finding out and as I know so many people that are brave enough to step outside the normal paths and pursue something brave and creative, we've all been finding that it's so difficult to do that on your own. And so that power of the community is so, so important. Yeah, totally. No, I think we're having to face that a lot more because cultures all around the world have known the value of community for so long. And yet we've tried to be so isolated here in the US. And yeah, I think it it's really hurtful. And there's a lot more joy and happiness to be found when we grow together in community and help each other out too. And I want to get into all the stuff you're doing with the Dangerous School too. I haven't been to your sessions or anything like that, but even just hearing you talk about it and seeing the kind of people that you attract to your community, that just, it's its very inspirational. And I just love what you guys are doing with Dangerous School. We will get into it for sure. But uh, before we do, I wanted to ask you, so you went to college to study music and then after some time you became a photographer. So walk us through that path. How did that path unfold for you? Yeah. So I'm. it's funny because I tried basically every creative medium possible, like painting and mm -hmm. sculpting and jewelry. And I had tried all these different things. And my whole teenage growing up and then into college, I kept trying to take photography classes. And for whatever reason, it never lined up with my schedule. I never could do the thing that I really wanted to do. And then after college, I was actually working at a church. I'm not religious anymore, but at the time I was. And so was working with a youth group at this church and I picked up a camera. I think I got it for my birthday. And very quickly I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for this whole time. Like a way to connect with people, a way to enhance relationships even because it's like you get to spend time creating things together when you do a photo shoot. And there's a piece of me that's kind of like a counselor too. And there was something in that the exchange of photographing someone that felt like being a mentor or a counselor, but in a different way than if someone was sitting right across from you asking for advice. It was a deeper level kind of like you saw into someone's soul kind of. So I really fell in love with photography while I was at that job and also was having to learn hard lessons of standing up for myself and that a lot of times in workplaces, women aren't paid the same amount of men, especially in religious workspaces. So I was 22 years old and they're basically like, you can't make any more money at this church because you're a woman. There aren't places for you to go from here. And I was like, okay, well, screw that. And I started doing my photography business and very quickly replaced my income from that job. And that was about seven or eight years ago that I quit that job, maybe even 10 now, and pursued photography full time and never looked back. Because I was like, oh, there's so many opportunities when you get to create your own path and not having to work within the confines of an institution that doesn't see your full potential or doesn't allow people to really be their fullest self because of their gender. 
Yeah, I can't even imagine hearing something that bluntly put. We all experience that in subtle ways, probably throughout our lives, but like that bluntly, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, looking at the org chart and being like, oh, all of those positions in the org chart, you have to be a pastor, which means you have to be a man. So it was just like, oh, okay, cool. And so you said that's now almost 10 years that you've been on this path and working for yourself and creating your own destiny and creating your own future. That's really inspiring because for me, my story is very similar in that sense that I've also went on my own path about five years ago now. Like you said, I never looked back. I have zero regrets for doing that. It's like the best thing that ever happened to me was to become an agent of my own life and to really just pursue the projects that I want to pursue and have control over everything that I want to do. It's just, I don't know, I've become a total advocate for doing that for people. And I think that's a very amazing way to to live, which is not without its own set of difficulties and challenges for sure. So uh, was there anyone that inspired you as you were learning the ropes of becoming a photographer and figuring this career out? Because like we mentioned earlier, it's also not the most straightforward career and not the most stable and secure career. So I'm curious if there was anyone or anything that inspired you in those early years. Yeah, I think really early on, a few friends who had been doing photography before me, they were really open about sharing what they had learned and getting together and answering questions. And that was so kind of them. I think when I first started, like right now, I think there's a lot of opportunities for professional coaching and people who want to share and want to help. And I don't feel like it was like that 10 years ago, or at least I wasn't finding the places to go for that and was just really lucky to have two friends that were also photographers that shared referrals when they weren't available and we got together and they'd answer questions. And I did a lot of my own research too, but I think seeing people out there doing it and even along the way, having conversations with people who were charged more than me or were doing projects that I was hoping to do, even seeing what was possible was so inspiring. So I think we don't know what to reach for if we don't know what's possible. I love that because I feel like that's something that is so important, something that we sometimes overlook, especially when we start. I don't know how it was for you, but for me, when I was starting out, I had this strange belief. I don't know where it came from, really, but it's like, I have to figure this out on my own. I have to prove to everyone that I can do this on my own. And like you said, when you have people around you who can really show you what is possible, because sometimes you don't even know what's possible until you see it, until you see other people living it. That's so important. And now I just think that like anything's possible, right? Whereas for a while it was like, oh, well, there's a path that you follow and this is what you do. And, you know, if you don't follow these steps, you're going to be miserable. And (laughs) as someone who did all of the right things, you know, quote unquote, right things, we all know that there's not really a, you know, a right path, but like, I tried that prescripted right path for a second and it didn't lead to more happiness and didn't lead to all the things I thought it was supposed to, like an easier life. And really what brings happiness 
and freedom, at least to me, is going out and breaking those rules and trying things for yourself and figuring out what feels like a fun and new, exciting adventure for you. Yes, yes, I love that. I love that you say it because it's something that I often compare to, which is maybe a bit of a weird comparison, but I I often compare it to growing muscle at the gym. So when you first start on this path, you know, you're learning, you're trying different things, and with more time and more experience, your muscle of taking risks and expanding your definition of what's possible, that muscle grows, right? So like you said, now you see that everything is possible for you because you've built that muscle over time of taking risks, of breaking rules, of pursuing amazing creative projects. And that's how you get there, right? It's this journey, it's an evolution. And if you don't start breaking those rules and growing that muscle, how do you get to that point? You have to start and you have to start taking action. And I think if I remember correctly, you became primarily wedding photographer and then expanded to do weddings all over the globe. So let's talk about that for a little bit, because that sounds really amazing and exciting. Yeah, I think I enjoyed a lot of different types of photography, especially at the beginning of my career, and had a really hard time choosing what to focus on. But when I knew I was ready to have kids, have my son, I knew I wanted to be still a present mom, like the kind of mom I wanted to be and the kind of business owner I wanted to be. I was like, I know this isn't going to be easy, but I want to find a way for those two things to exist together. And so I think even just logically, it made sense to focus on bigger projects and things where I could do less a year and be more present the rest of the time. So even though I'd been doing commercial photography and other things like that and had done some travel commercial projects, it just felt like the time to kind of focus in on weddings and being more present at home. So I really dove into that. And around that time, there we thought we were going to be moving to France for a while. I was like, now I guess I have to market to France too because I don't want to move and not have any work and not be up a creek. I got an opportunity to do my first destination wedding with a friend of mine who married a guy who was French and so they got married in France. And yeah, it's crazy how one opportunity can open up into so many other ones. I'm sure you've seen that too, but sometimes it takes just that one poke in the balloon for the rest of it to start. So I was doing at least a couple destination weddings a year, really up until, until COVID. Sometimes that one opportunity that you take opens up so many doors. I literally just read that this morning, that there is this anecdote about this guy praying to God and saying, God, please, please, please let me win the lottery. Please, please, please let me win the lottery. So he keeps praying to God week in. He prays about winning the lottery. And up in the sky, God is sitting there and let's say angels are telling him, come on, can't you help the guy out? You know, he's praying so hard to win the lottery. And God is like... I want to help him. He needs to buy the ticket. It's it's about that. It's about taking that intention and really taking opportunities because you never know which of those is going to open a door for you to something that you've been dreaming about. I thought it was so amazing that you brought that up because that's something that I've been thinking about this morning as well. I love talking about vision boards and even the word which gets overused now, manifesting. I actually don't think it's a spiritual process. I think it's more of a neurochemical one of when you start making choices based on things you want and taking action steps behind them and more of what you start moving towards comes to you, but it's more based in human psychology than it is in like some magic thing that you're doing, right? 
my God, Kristen, you just took all the words that I always say. And this is exactly what to me, visualization is all about and why it's powerful, because it's not magic. It's based on neuroscience and how the brain starts picking out those signals that the brain hasn't noticed before, because now you're actively putting those things out there into the world. Oh, my God, this is amazing. What we were talking about as a team too, it's like when you start deciding you want to buy a new car, you start seeing that car everywhere and they didn't just magically start showing up. It's just your attention is on them and so you're seeing them. And I think when your attention goes towards wanting certain projects, wanting certain opportunities, then you see them more because you're paying attention. Yes. And because sometimes the actions that we want to take and the projects that we want to pursue, sometimes it's a leap also, right? Especially if we're, let's say, dreaming big. And in my case, I wanted to work with National Geographic, but I was like, I've never been published. I don't have any experience in this field. Where do I even start? And so the other part of it, for me at least, was also to start calling myself that person, that I am a travel photographer and writer, because until I start believing it, and literally when people ask me, what do you do for work? I say, I'm a travel photographer and writer, even though I haven't been published anywhere. And, you know, so it's, it's also about manifesting it into the world in this very specific way about who you are and what kind of projects you want to work with. Yeah, it's believing that and saying like, oh, yeah, I remember doing that early in destination weddings. Like maybe I'd only had a couple destination weddings, but I was like, I'm a travel photographer. I'm a travel wedding photographer. You start saying it over and over or being like, yeah, I do weddings in Nashville and in New York and in France or wherever it is that you're, you know, you've had a couple opportunities there, but you want more of them. It's like, well, yeah, I do. I do that. Yeah, because you also never know who is listening to. And I think we forget that sometimes that we just never know how our paths are going to cross with other people who are looking for this exact person to work with right now on this exact project. I feel like there's so much serendipity sometimes in in our lives that we don't give credit to. And so if we don't voice those desires that we have and those uh, intentions that we have, then how are other people going to know that we are available for that? I tell this to people I'm coaching too. I'm like, people get a lot of joy out of connecting other, especially if you're a connector, which I'm a connector. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. I get a lot of joy in connecting people with their dream opportunity. But if you don't tell Mm -hmm. me what your dream opportunity is, or if someone thinks that you're not going to be excited about an opportunity that someone gives you, they're going to give it to someone else. Because someone who loves to help bring opportunities together gets a little hit off of feeling that joy that you have too. You know, so know what you want and then be super excited when it comes along because like that gives you a lot of momentum too. So what was some of your favorite destinations that you did? Photography to me is about connections. So I think one of the reasons I love destination weddings and the ones that stand out to me are the ones where we really got the time to develop a connection and a relationship, which a lot of times you do more when you're traveling with people. It's just a natural part of it. So that first one that I did, she was like, could you come along and like you can stay in my fiance's parents' farm? So I stayed in this little farmhouse in the middle of the country in France and I got to travel with her guests for two weeks and I just documented the whole thing. Two weeks of traveling with her guests and her wedding and her multiple receptions. It was just so fun and made so many friends from that trip and so many connections. And then there was another one that was also in France. They had rented a little chateau in the middle of nowhere 
in Provence and just had their family and I got to stay in the chateau with them. We scoped out all the different locations. I found this field with red poppies. And so on the wedding day, I was like, let's drive down to the field of red poppies and take photos. You know, because there's just so much freedom to create what we wanted to create. Even though they were a paying client, it was almost like a big styled shoot because we just got to make every part of the day really intentional. Oh, I love that. And I agree. I think, at least for me, the work I'm most proud of is the work where I've connected with the people who are in the photographs, because it shows, right? That connection, it really shows you capture that connection. So we are talking about this amazing path that you had that allowed you to really build out intentionally the types of experiences that you wanted to have, the types of projects that you wanted to work on, and the people that you wanted to work with. But it's not all roses. This path does have challenges as well. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about some things that you've come across um, in this journey that were difficult for you? And what ways did you find to deal with those difficulties? I think a lot of the biggest difficulties were interpersonal, you know, like personal ones of either doubting myself. I know a lot of creatives have major highs and lows with their confidence. I definitely experienced that for a long time in my career. Getting that dream opportunity coming across your plate and then you not being the one that gets it, that's really tough. And you're like, oh my gosh, what can I do to make them say yes? And then they don't. And, you know, so I've learned how to kind of deal with that. I think like, you know, you asked how you deal with some of the hard things is um, I hold things a lot more loosely now. Like when an opportunity comes across, I don't just assume that it's mine. I kind of let it sit there energetically of like, this might not be mine and that's okay. And so I get less tied to things until they happen. And that's just a lesson I learned. Like I don't get excited about things until they're for sure. (laughs) I think that's also related to that feeling of growing your confidence. Because at first, I feel like it's so much more about the scarcity and you feel like you have to prove something. And so you have to grab every opportunity that comes because that's your opportunity to prove. And then as you develop in this career, you know, you relax some of that, I guess. Uh, some of that pressure and you're much more like you're looking for opportunities that are more aligned with who you are and what you want to do. Um, And that helps, I think, with that pressure as well. Instead of it being um, tying so much information to like whether or not you book something like, oh, if I book this, this is a sign that I'm a good photographer. And if I don't book this, that's my sign I need to quit or whatever. I'm like, don't do that. No, like don't tie those things to it. There's going to be lots of no's. And I'm super, super used to being told no now, which gives you a lot more courage to risk things and to pitch stuff and to ask for it. A lot of the coolest opportunities I've had were actually pitches I made and I asked for the opportunity. Like you said, with working that muscle, like you get better at doing that when you realize it's not that bad if someone says no. Oh my gosh, this is it. Everyone who's listening to the podcast now and who has this dream and this vision of getting out there and becoming a travel photographer or writer and working with the top publications, which is my realm of expertise and my realm of career. This is what I always say that, you know, don't place your entire worth into that one pitch, right? And whether or not you get that pitch, 
it doesn't mean anything about your talent, about your worth as a person. It's just one pitch. And there's so many reasons for why the person on the other end said no to you for this pitch. So many reasons you have no idea about because there's so much that goes into it. In a lot of cases, it's not just about you. And so, yeah, I think getting that wisdom and really imprinting that wisdom into you is amazing because that allows you to really reach out to more people, go for more opportunities, take risks and dream bigger. All of those things are related to not tying your worth to that one pitch and hearing no. That's amazing. Yeah. And that a lot of those things take time, like relationships take time to build and continuing to show up and to be in relationship with editors or with people that are working in those publications instead of just being like, I want you to hand me this opportunity, you know, like people are people no matter what position they're put into. And I think remembering that does a lot of good to Because sometimes something might come down the road, years down the road, but it's because someone remembered that you were fun to work with and a good person. The way you make people feel gets remembered. And so even if an opportunity takes years to come to you, sticking to that integrity of how you treat people is so important. It's so interesting. I'm getting so excited now because for me, one part of why I love this podcast so much or doing the work for this podcast is because I'm interviewing different women and I'm learning about all these different stories of people and how we all have such diverse backgrounds and environments. But in a lot of ways, the creative path and the challenges that we work through and the lessons that we learn on this creative path are universal. And that kind of gives me goosebumps because it's like, wow. I'm tapping into this beautiful river of creativity and flow, and we're all experiencing that same river. And that gets me excited. You're right. It just how you deal with people, that is relevant to anything that you do in life, not just your creative profession. I want to unpack a little bit what you said about self-doubt, because this is an issue that comes up again and again. And I'm always curious to learn what, let's say, methods or practices perhaps have helped different people on this path. Because again, like this path is probably a path that we all walk on at some point in our lives or another. And so I'm just really curious, specifically when it comes to self-doubt, what were some practices that have helped you? on this path? Yeah. I mean, definitely being in community with people, it has helped with that. It's like something you can say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Does anyone else struggle with this? And I think even just admitting it out loud and having someone else being like, oh my gosh, I feel that too. That can release a lot of the power. I'm very introspective and I think a lot. So I tend to overthink a lot. And I think at least earlier in my life, I thought like, oh, I can logic my way out of this overthinking spiral. And like, you can't. So (laughs) so I think like when I realized, oh, I can't actually think my way out of this. I need to actually go and do something, whether that's just going on a walk and moving my body to get out of the overthinking spiral or being like, what can I do to get myself one step closer to this thing that I want? Instead of just sitting around waiting for an opportunity to come to me, what can I do to take a step towards creating that opportunity for myself? Because that movement of taking action, whether it's physical action of going running and yelling or creating something yourself that's going to get you another step closer, I feel like that really helps both with my confidence and getting out of that overthinking spiral. 
Well, and, and it goes back to that, putting that intention out there as you let the universe and all the forces help you as well, right? What are you working on now? I know you have this amazing initiative called the Dangerous Call. So tell us a little bit about how that came to be and what was the impetus behind launching this amazing initiative. I've always really cared about helping other people, mentoring and teaching, you know, even having an education degree. And I think I've always had either interns or people that I mentored one-on-one. It's just always something that I felt was important and people would ask me for it. I'm a believer in paying attention to what people naturally ask you for. That's good information to have if people are consistently coming to you for something. And so Dangerous School or the idea for Dangerous School came out of a lot of really hard years of my life. A big turning point in my career was deciding to focus on weddings and destination weddings, then having my son, then losing my dad, then my spouse at the time losing his job. So then I had all this financial weight on me and postpartum depression and grief. So I had all these things and it was kind of this moment of like, am I going to fight my way through this or am I going to give up? Because I think everyone has those moments where you're, you're kind of like, You either got to go in deeper or you got to totally walk away. And that's what that felt like for me. I learned a ton about marketing. I hired my first coach. I was like, I'm not going to sit around and be stressed about money the rest of my life. I'm going to figure out how to change this and got really empowered around the business side of things. And so then a couple years later, I'm running my dream photography business, getting to travel and doing well financially. And it just feels like a natural part of, well, if I figured it out, I can be a part of helping someone else figure it out for themselves. So Danger School, I, I did like a mastermind that year, kind of a beta mastermind and started recording some of the pieces of Danger School. And it just has very quickly evolved into, so there's kind of two groups now. There's uh, the Danger School membership, and then there's a mastermind. Um, And the mastermind is for people who are already ready to launch the education sides of their business or maybe already are doing some coaching or mentoring within their creative business and need more support in that growth. Because that's the other thing too, is it's like once you become a mentor, it almost can get lonely too, because you're like, now people look to me for the answers. Where do I go? You know? So that's what the mastermind is. It's just like, okay, now we have a bunch of people who are helping a ton of people. And there's unique pressures that come along with that too. Um, and so they're a community for themselves. There's the two groups and they've just been growing so quickly and they're so cool and everyone is just very supportive and trying new things. So now we have we have people from all over the world in the groups now, which is really fun. What is the thing that brings you the most joy when you're working on Dangerous School? I think seeing people have revelations about themselves or their business or finding more joy in their business because it's um, I almost feel like my role is holding up a big mirror to people and asking the right questions and helping people to make the observations about themselves because that's when it really sinks in and with someone is like, oh, yeah, I am good at that or this is something that I want to do. So I just think like watching people have such big aha moments and such a big growth curve while they're in this community brings so much joy to me. It's just cool to get to like be the facilitator of it because it's like I'm not doing the work for them. That's all them. Their wins are all them. But I get to hold the space for that to happen. And that feels really, really, really special. 
I, I recognize that so much. And I only just started doing this kind of work this year. And honestly, I kind of fell into it, to be honest, because I didn't have this goal of becoming a teacher, but I did wanted to try teaching as a project. And I did the, my first masterclass this summer on travel journalism. And oh my God, I loved it. I just loved so much sharing my knowledge. And like you said, holding that space for people to grow, to learn, to become in community with each other. I opened this all other path for myself to get more joy out of life through this path, you know, and it was so amazing. I totally relate to what you're saying with the danger school. I'm glad that you were able to build that effort into something sustainable for yourself and for your community. That's, that's really cool. That's really inspiring. Well, it's fun to have another outlet for your creativity too, right? Like I might not be out taking photos or painting, but designing a program or designing all the ways to like help people have more fun and to find more joy, like that's really creative work too. It's like exercising a different side of your brain. We will post the links to Danger School in the show notes. So our listeners do check it out. It's a really cool program. But can you just tell us kind of in one sentence, who is the Danger School for? So Danger School is a membership for creative business owners who want to build their business a different way. They want to build it the fun way and do it in community. So we have everyone from writers to visual artists to photographers to wedding planners to coaches to therapists. So anyone that considers themselves creative and doesn't want to build the business alone, it's a great place for you. And I think the other thing, you've probably seen this in your community too, is it opens up a whole other network of not only people to hire you, but people to promote your stuff or buy your stuff or, you know, everyone tries to support the other members of the group so much. And that's cool too. I think your business really is only as strong as your network. And that's the cool thing about being in a program like that. For sure. I, I love it. I love it. Definitely check it out when you're listening to this episode because it's an amazing, amazing program. It's amazing to see that so much diversity of people in creative professions in your membership as well, because I think that's really cool too, right? That you're being exposed to all these other different ways to lead a creative life that can also help you strengthen your business and to find maybe new and different ways to try things in your life. So I think that's really special. I can get a little bit tired of just if you stick within your own like if you're only ever talking to other photographers or I'm like, there, but there's so many other ideas out there. If you think outside of your small circle and widen it a bit, there's a lot of different perspectives that can really contribute to your business too. If you could write a letter to Kristen when you were just starting out on this path, what would you say to her? I would say try the things that you want to try. And don't worry about making people feel bad for shining your light. That definitely was one of the biggest hurdles for me was feeling like if I did stuff that I thought was going to be fun or exciting or if I grew, that I would somehow hurt other people's feelings. And just letting go of that responsibility of keep growing and shining and not worrying about if that makes someone feel bad or not. Inspire them to grow and shine with you instead of making yourself smaller to make them feel more comfortable. 
Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful, Kristen. That's so beautiful. And that's such a familiar feeling to so many of us, making others feel comfortable. And by doing that, keeping ourselves small, it's such a familiar pattern. I appreciate you sharing that insight. And you probably have heard of this book and concept, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. It talks about that as being one of the three large buckets, let's say, of things that hold us back. And one of them being that fact of you're afraid to shine because you don't want to leave others behind or similar to what you were saying. Yeah, the fear about shining. That's definitely my big hold back a lot of times. In some ways, if you know that that's what's keeping you back or holding you back, then it almost gives you this direction, you know, what to focus on in order to get closer to shining more and more. Which brings me to this question that I always close with. And this is kind of a big question, but how would you start thinking about it today after having this amazing path and really being mindful of the way you design your life, the way you approach? your projects and your community and growing everything with such authenticity and joy and fierceness, which is just so inspiring. What does it mean to be a woman who is stepping into her brilliance today? I think it means doing the hard inner work of really knowing who you are and what you care about and making all your choices to line up with that. Because I think like everything around us can be so distracting telling us what we should be. And there's a lot more answers inside of us than we realize. Beautiful. I love that, Kristen. I think we are truly the masters of our faith. And as much as we're able to look inward for that guidance and and that strength, that's what really keeps us right on that path that we are set forward. So I love that. That's really beautiful. Thank you, Kristen. Thanks. Well, thank you for having me. This has been so fun. And I'm just excited for all the things that you are doing as well. We, we come from different spheres, but at the same time, we have so many ways in which we think alike and we have similar concepts and stories. And that's always just so cool for me to see. And you're very inspiring to me with everything that you're doing. So I'm really glad that you were able to come today and share your wisdom with us and with our listeners. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you so much for sharing an hour of your day with us today. I hope you found this episode useful and if so, please consider subscribing to our show so you never miss an episode. If you're a new listener, thank you for checking out the show and don't forget, you can find all the resources, links and show notes over at GeniusWomen.com. That's women with an X. So if there was something you wanted to check out, you could always, always find it over at GeniusWomen.com. That's women spelled as W-O-M-X-N. If you want to support our show, the best way to do so is to share a piece of our content. That helps us out so much. Share our content, subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram, and if you feel like it, leave us a podcast review. All that helps us grow and spread our message. So that's the best way you can support us. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week for a conversation with Lindsay Gary, a professor, scholar, multidisciplinary artivist, and social entrepreneur.